0: Before we begin, I'd just like to say thank you to my friends at Hair Saloon for supporting this podcast and for providing space at their corporate offices to record it. Hair Saloon's mission has as much to do with the restoration of men as it does with the business of haircutting. They try to make a difference in the lives of the thousands of men who come through their doors each week. Hair Saloon is based in St. Louis, Missouri, and if you've ever been interested in running your own business and want to work with great people, I would highly recommend you check out the Hair Saloon Franchise Opportunity. Go to hairsaloonfranchise.com to find out more information. That's hairsalonfranchise.com. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and to please take two minutes to give us your review. And if you have a question or comment you'd like to share with our listeners, go to Suzanne at the SuzanneVenkerShow.com. Welcome back to the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. When I was young and would say something to my mother about not being able to do what the other kids are doing, she would say to me, Who wants to be like everyone else? How boring. It must have stuck with me because I've spent a lifetime thinking and behaving differently from most people I know. Or maybe it's just my personality. Either which way, as difficult as it can be to go against the grain, for me, it has paid off spectacularly. Today, Andre and I are going to talk about living according to what you want, as opposed to the life others want you to want. But before we get to that, I have a few announcements I wanted to say about um, the podcast. And then, let's see, this month I have pretty much two guests coming up. So I, I've been doing, as you know, um, Andre, I have Andre with me, and he is here, by the way. Hi, Andre. Say hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have Andre with me every week, and then I've been doing guests once a month. Last month was um, Rolo Tomasi, and next this month I'm um, interviewing someone here locally in St. Louis, so she's going to be in-house, which is kind of fun, a psychologist. And then I'm going to have a special guest after that, my virtual assistant Kelsey, who lives in Florida, and she will be in town as well. So I have two in-house guests coming up, which I'm very excited about. So be prepared for that. Okay, Um, I'm going to start by reading a few emails. The first one is from Jessie, and she writes, I've been listening to your podcast, but I have a question that I don't think has been addressed. Let's say that as a woman, your husband of almost 20 years asks you about your past relationships. You tell all because, well, you're best friends. This backfires, and it seems to really bother him. He questions you further, and for a while the marriage becomes tense and uncomfortable. After a year or so, things settle down, and the relationship is back to normal. But he still takes jabs at you here and there, making small comments about your past, seemingly in a joking manner. Keep in mind the things that happened in the past were before we met, and very shortly after we met, over 20 years ago. Is this stuff still bothering him, or is he just joking around? It bothers me very much that he takes jabs, and I do my best to ignore it. I don't think he knows how much it bothers me, should I tell him how I feel. So I'm I'll just I'll just give my two cents on this and then I'm gonna turn it over to Andre, since Andre, you're the man in this partnership here and I you might have a different take on this. But um okay. I you know I, I, haven't, I haven't been in this situation. But if you have, I guess, sort of a I don't know, colorful past <laughs> let's call it that, <laughs> before you get married. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about sharing it. You know, I'm a truth girl. I tell, I, I tell the truth all the time. Um, I imagine that that would be difficult, and I've heard men talk about um, you know, not really wanting to hone in on the woman or marry the woman who's, quote, unquote, been around the block or whatever you want to say. Um, so I suspect that those jabs are his way of saying that. But I don't know. What do you think, Andre?
1: I, I I will say to you, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, it's not really fair, mm-hmm. you know, because jabs, a, to me, a jab is a cheap shot. You know what I mean? Like, why, why are you jabbing yeah. at each other? This, yeah. is, this is your wife. But I understand, you know, this is something, I don't know if you heard me say this line, you know, men marry virtue, not vaginas.
0: Have you I heard me
1: say this? Yes. Right. I like so, that. now, this is fact. right men don't marry the women they have sex with necessarily they don't marry the woman who gives them the best sex that's not it at all right this is a it's again ancestral like development like men marry the women they can trust to be virtuous and the fact that you know he could trust that the kids that he's raising he's paying for are actually his not somebody else's by the way this this is (laughs) apparently three percent of men in america this these are loose numbers because nobody will fess up to it very well that are raising kids paying for kids that are not the product of an affair that they didn't know anything about it. The biggest insult ever, right? Ever on the masculine. So, and I'm saying this so, you know, the guy marries this woman that he perceives as virtuous. We all know this people that have passed, right? But you don't want to hear it because if you consider the man are typically more visual, like just her telling those stories with, with or without details or even the number of partners that she had will paint a picture in his head and will change the way he sees her.
0: Yeah. And I hate to say it.
1: Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's like well, a caveman re- reflex, right? Like, like my lovely little petite flower is kind of a ho. Oh, what? Wait, what? Right. <laughs> like, what? Like, so his image of her is altered.
0: And I, you know, well, and I would go so, so much farther to say that it's not even necessarily the, the being having been, a, not just the having been around thing, but you know, I was married before and I have gone yeah. out of my way over 22 years to rarely, if ever, talk about my first marriage yeah, and any details notice. about it, because I know that he doesn't want to hear that, visualize that, think about that. And as the years went on, I think I did at the beginning because I was still sort of coming out of it um, mm-hmm. to some degree because it takes years to really you know, get through or whatever. Um, but as the years would go by and we would be deeper, deeper into our life, um, I-, I felt like, It was almost even more taboo as each year went by to ever even mention his name because just mentioning it, I feel, makes him feel like I don't want to think about the fact that you were married to someone else. He doesn't say this and I don't say it that way. But my point being that whether it's about sex or just, you know, having been married to somebody else, I just think the whole concept is really awkward and not comfortable for, for them.
1: Yeah. no, absolutely. Like I'm telling you, it's a it's a default system of virtuousness and the idea that your petite flower is, you know, as a past but you don't want to hear it or picture it. Yeah. Right? To the fact that you the fact that you were married to somebody else, well you can imagine what you were doing with him for yes. that, that, those many yes. years, right? Can't don't no, right? No, no that, that picture is burned as his memory and, and it's it's you know, we understand we have a past. I just don't want, I don't want to hear about it. Right. Don't ever mention how many lovers you've had or like the last one you had was the greatest. Oh my like, gosh. Never. My, was, yeah. Women have done that. You know what I mean? Like in, in not understanding that really you just, you're, you're making him see you differently.
0: But don't you think so, this is interesting that she didn't, that it wasn't a, that it only came up 20 years into their marriage. She yeah, said, same, she said, let's say as a woman, your husband of almost 20 years asks you about your past relationships there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I'm surprised that wasn't covered 20 years ago.
1: <laughs> well, it was probably – I promised you he didn't want to know anything about it. And then 20 years later, he probably thought, you know, like he, he could handle it. And he couldn't. Uh, I see. Because he's just a normal guy, right? He can't handle it. Now the picture's in his head. So – and as she said, it was damaging for a year. Like it really took, it took yeah. him out yeah. for a year. Now – part I don't really agree with him, like I said, now, you know, it seems to have settled or he gotten used to it, but it managed to push uh, memory out of his head. Right. But yeah. the jabs are more like, you know, he's resenting having that in his head. Now he's resenting the fact that he didn't know about this. And it sort of changed his image of her. Now. So the jab, I find really crappy, like passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I would, if I was her, I'd say, look, you know, I understand that maybe this sort of like change your perception of me, but, you know those jabs are just you know can we talk about it right like yeah. it, like this is really not fair and i'm still here and you know if you can't handle it then this talk it out but this is not fair you know Agreed. Sort of
0: yeah definitely. bring it
1: bring it forward and negotiate it you know stopping the jabbing or like then leave you know <laughs> like I, yeah I,
0: know. I mean just address Suss. it i mean i'm i'm a big on you just That's have to address I mean. everything i mean the the, the idea Straight of up. spending day after day uh sort of allu- allu- alluding it. to dodging something it. dodging and alluding, and like oh, that's just so not me, yeah.
1: that's, <laughs> so that's, that's I, me that's nasty right so yeah. but i i knew, i and i but I completely understand it, I wouldn't choose to do it that way, but i I get it, so don't you don't need to share any of this with the man who's <sighs> <sighs> chose you to be this woman in his life that he no. sees as his little angel, period You just don't do it,
0: no, agreed, agreed okay so hopefully that helps that um that helps her okay okay so moving on um this subject of of living for yourself and thinking outside the box and not following the crowd and Mm. just being a very independent critical thinker is a very 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 um important subject to me Mm. and I just want to take a few minutes to to explain the last pretty much twenty years of my life in being a countercultural writer, uh, an author, and the the things I've been through in 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 being someone who writes things that are um, not the norm. <laughs> Let's put it that <laughs> way.
1: <laughs> love it. Love it. Love oh
0: it. my God! It's been quite. It's it's been a long story, and I'll I'll spare you the details. But um, I got this email from a gentleman named Tate the other day, and he wrote. I just wanted to say thank you for what you do. I imagine since you constantly fight social norms and go against the grain of our sensitive culture that you get a lot of nasty and mean feedback. I can also imagine how difficult it may be to do what you do every day because of that. I'm sure you get some thank yous here and there. So I wanted to try and to encourage you as a young man in an extremely messed up society. I'm very thankful for you. Which was very nice. Um, so I thought I would take a moment to just tell people in case they do wonder about that. <laughs> um, yes, I have gotten a tremendous amount of um, backlash over the years. Although I would, I have to say it happened more in the first part and hasn't happened so much in the second half of my career thus far, which is kind of interesting. And I often wonder if that is going hand in hand with the culture and how it may potentially be changing. Um although i don't know um but i mean even the very first time that i that i tried to get published when i wrote my very first book i i mean i went through a thousand agents that I mean, i'm exaggerating a little bit but a lot of agents a lot of publishers before i could get my book into the right hands just from mm-hmm. just from the get go um and it's gotten easier over the years and i've changed it's changed hands a bunch since then the publishing world has changed but it is unquestionably um difficult to, to, to be different from what you see everybody else around you doing. And of course, the younger you are, the more difficult this is. So I've raised my kids in a very countercultural way. And it's not been an easy road. Um, They don't know any other way now. But you know, when you're a teenager, it can be difficult. Essentially, what I wanted to focus on with this podcast is this concept of deconstructing an entire belief system. Because I kind of think that that's ultimately what I'm asking people to do with my work, that it's just so big. And if you're ready to do that, um, it's very powerful and life changing. But if you're not, you're going to buck against it until the cows come home. You know, you're just going to think that's crazy or what have you. So let's just give an example of a type of messages that we're talking about that need deconstructing i came across this article the other day called 13 rules i'll teach my daughter to live by it was at the website called herway.net i'd never heard of that before but if you want to look this up everybody herway.net 13 rules i'll teach my daughter to live by and i pulled out 3 actually some of them were fine perfectly fine but i pulled out 3 that absolutely were not fine as to <laughs> to to use as an example not because this is any kind of anomaly, but because this represents the norm of what of what um, young people in particular are being fed all the time in a thousand different ways. Number one, you don't need a man to be happy. Two, the whole this is two, you know thirteen rules I'll teach my daughters. So this is for women, obviously. The whole world is yours. Feel free to conquer it. Conquer. Three. Most men are idiots. But you will find one who loves you like you deserve. Okay. Now, those three things stood out to me. <laughs> they were blinding. Um. In part because they're very different from the other ones. The others were actually kind of benign. But the thought, of, you know, I have a daughter. You have a daughter. Can you even imagine telling her any of these three things? You don't need a man to be happy. The whole world is yours. Go out and conquer it. Most men are idiots. But you'll find one. I'm sorry. I shouldn't hey. even laugh. It's not funny. But you will find one who loves you like you deserve. There's that word. I can't stand that word deserve. Yeah. Here's my uh-huh. rant now. Conquer. Hey. Deserve. Deserve. You don't need a man. I mean, this is the junk that has been fed particularly to women and girls for the past 25, 30 years. And that is the exact message that I've been fighting against since I took to the computer for the first time over 20 years ago. So, so when you fight back against something, invariably you're going to take a lot of crap. There's just no way around it. Um, but the advantage to doing so is that you do not fall down this trap because that's ultimately mm-hmm. what these messages are. They are going to steer you into a trap and and it's going mm-hmm. to be many, many years before you wake up and realize that you've been fed all this stuff and you've made decisions based on what you heard unknowingly. Not, I mean, it doesn't even, some of these messages are not so in your face right. and obvious. This These were, but so that's an example That article was just an example of the type of messages that need serious deconstructing in order for you to be able to think in a way that allows you to make good decisions and have a happy life.
1: It's funny because, you know, these are all, excuse me, very masculine paradigms, right? And so if you go, you don't need a man, then you go be your own man in the world. Well, okay, that's fine. But I mean, if, you know, somebody has to be the woman, if you want to do something else, then work you know i'll make some dollars and, and and achieve the sense of safety that women think money will give them do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's off that's off do you know what i mean because we know and we know we've done i know for me with my clients have been doing this long enough that money doesn't make women happy ultimately you know it gives them a sense of safety which they appreciate and they like and choices but it doesn't make them ultimately happy what, what makes women happy is the quality of the relationships in their lives all the relationships in their lives when when they feel connected to the world the environment the community if they have a husband and kids which is an, another level up this is where it's satisfying to the feminine so when you go you don't eat no man well yeah okay but you know the, the, your happiness for most of them I'm talking like ninety percent of mm-hmm. them ultimately suffer eventually with this. And these are all my clients with they they have the resources, they have the money, they have the careers, but the rest of their lives, their personal lives, their connection to the world, their connection, their, their their emotional connections are missing. And they're not happy. They're not more than not happy. They're miserable and like on antidepressants, alcoholics, fat from eating, trying to feel better. Like they lose it completely. Not all of them, but like all of my clients a version of this. So this, this is not we now. So this isn't going to make you happy ultimately. So like, a son, sound the alarm, right? This is why we're having these discussions. Sound the alarm. And the next one, the idea of conquering the world is yours to conquer. That's what men do. Now you could do it as well, of course. But again, is it going to cost you long term your happiness? Well, the
0: interest, right? y- r- Long term happiness, and also in the process of doing it, what, in other words, is not just the end result but while it's happening what's the quality of your life like right so i remember my conversation with um allison armstrong and she was talking about how essentially and we've talked about this too you and i that working full-time year-round for women the average woman not all women i feel like i always have to say that but i really shouldn't have to because it's a given um right is that it's taxing on them it's taxing uh, particularly if they have children And this is not necessarily true of men because of how different we are. So since you've brought that up, I happen to have this other email here from another gal that explains this perfectly. And so so I'll just use it as an example and read from it. My husband is kind, generous and hardworking. He makes two times more than I do. I have one son under one year and I work full time from home. I find myself in a constant contradiction. I want him to work and provide for our family, but I'm angry I circled that word angry because I'm still working full time and taking care of our eight month old child. I find myself nagging. I circled that word too <laughs> uh. about the dynamics. I feel overburdened. I circled that one too. So angry, nice. nagging, overburdened. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like for a woman when she works full time and year round in particularly and when she has kids as well. That is not, those are not words that men would typically use to describe them in the same boat. What are some of the words that a man would describe? I would think. Not to say that all men wouldn't like more time at, you know, wouldn't like more time off and wouldn't like more time at home and to have more of a life. I mean, sure, they would, but they get something different from working full time because of that instinctive need to provide. So, what a woman would be overburdened by, sorry, the man would be empowered by. Go ahead
1: empowered and then there's a huge 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 amount of pride that comes from that the pride to be the guy who goes outside you know out in the world to kill it you know to take care of his family and his kid like there's a huge amount of pride in this like right? because it's not easy to do right no but then you no. do it because that's that's your that you take that on as that's, that's not only you you're committed to that it's, it's You're you're accountable for that right it's 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 your job and then but it's not like Hating it, it's more like happy to do it and proud to do it at the end because he's making that all work. So that's a big difference for us. It's very satisfying, you know. Yes. To kill your, yeah. to kill yourself yeah. to make that work. Very satisfying. I'm going to tell you for myself. Some of the best moments in you know in life is when I come home after a 12 hour day and at seven o'clock at night in the summer. I pull up in my garage and when I turn off the engine, I hear the kids and my wife playing in the pool. You know, like mm. I did that. I did that, right? Like, yeah. like they get to have the comfortable life, playing in the pool in Southern California, while I'm working and I'm happy about this. Like I made that happen, right? Like she picks them up at three o'clock and they been in, in the pool probably like the rest of the afternoon. Just God, yes, you know that's the difference, right? Like it burns out women. It's overwhelming. It it fries your brain. It fries your energy. It fries your spirit. By the way, like you get edgy and unhappy. Ugh, ugh, okay. Like, for men, it's the opposite. It's a this shot is, in the arm.
0: This is a little twist on it, but it's a personal example that I, I can give. Are you single and wondering if the person you're dating is right for you? Are you married but feeling lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood? Almost 100% of my coaching clients are struggling with the same dilemma. Their circumstances vary, but the underlying issue is the same. They're swimming against rather than with the biological tide. For these individuals and couples, there's a power struggle at play with their partner, and it can be difficult to remember a time when their relationship didn't feel hard. I understand this relationship dynamic. I had a front row seat to it growing up, and I didn't want it repeated in my own marriage. So I made it a priority to understand why men and women think and behave as they do and what it is they ultimately want. This understanding is crucial for any marriage or relationship to thrive. It's why the happiest couples are those who embrace male and female nature rather than fight against it. There's no reason for you to struggle so much. This is a fixable problem. If you're single and struggling in love, or if you're married but feel frustrated and alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneVenker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R, and click on the coaching button at the top. Once you sign up or send me an email, you will hear from me personally within 24 hours. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. Again, that's SuzanneVenker.com. So, you know, I've been, you know, 22 years I've been married um, this year, and my husband's always been the steady earner since day one. You know that paycheck comes in every two weeks, never a break, mm-hmm. very, 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 mm-hmm. very steady. I have been home or was home for many for the whole time, really, for the most part. And then everything I did was creative and done on the side, and I had no boss. And I did what I could when I could, and if I couldn't, I couldn't. And it's like the ultimate life, right? Like, I, no kidding. I mean, no kidding. I could not tailor make a better life. That I did not have that pressure so that I could, A, raise my kids, B, do my creative work, C, if I couldn't go to work, well, I didn't. Um, I mean, he can't say that, right? So I've had a right. lot of um, – but but the flip side of the creative piece is that I don't have that check every two weeks, which is fine. Uh, or it was fine for a really long time now that my kids – now that we're almost empty nesters, I'm feeling uh, you know, a little bit more of a grind there because I now have the opportunity to do that for the first time. In many years. Right. Um, but anyway, my point is I have off, you know, I can't say that my husband feels um, and he's going to be in, in a, in a couple of podcasts from now to talk. So maybe he could talk about this himself, but nice. he does not have the same satisfaction from his work that I do. And I have felt guilty is the wrong word. We, we, we use guilt way too freely these days. I didn't do anything wrong. However, I feel bad. Sometimes that I get this life on the back of him not necessarily loving what he does as much as I love what I do. And his response is always the same, which is exactly goes back into what you were saying, which is why I brought it up, which is that what I do fuels him. Like if it weren't for him, I couldn't do it. And he feels so strongly about what I'm doing. He's on the same page exactly with everything that I'm doing, that he feels like he's doing it with me. And he's supporting it financially so that I can do it.
1: That way. Yeah, he's supporting you that way so you can do it. That
0: way. And he keeps saying that. And he's right. I mean, I I I know he's right. He said it. I believe him. It's just it's hard sometimes because I want him to have the flexibility, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that I do. And he doesn't. But he swears it's okay because –
1: It's okay. It's okay. I'm telling you, there's a huge amount of pride in that for him that he gets to be that guy to support his wife so he can be that girl. That's exactly what's happening. It's completely worth it. Let that that's go. That's what he says. Okay. Let that go. Okay. I promise you, this is exactly what's happening. He's so proud of you. And he's so proud of the fact that he's the reason why you could be this woman. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. That's what he would fantastic. say. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> you I so thought it was really a good example works. because... Um... Yeah.
1: Exactly how it yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly how it works.
0: Okay. So I wrote down a few things that I thought could help people who are listening who... Thank God, you know, I really I would love to be able to do to to, to speak out against to be more vocal about what I think when when it's not the norm, when it's not popular or to do things that are not popular. But I find myself really going along to get along kind of thing. So I came up with things that I've done and things that I've learned over the years that have that have helped me, you know, do what I do. And the first one is to expose yourself to people who aren't Kool-Aid
1: drinkers, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Explain Kool-Aid drinkers. Yeah, so
0: so for people who don't know the word Kool-Aid drinkers, basically that means people who literally – how do I describe this in a way that isn't insulting? I don't think it's – I don't know that I can. Um, well. Where you literally do not read, do not think, do not take the time. It's not that you're not smart, but you don't take the time to do the homework. Or to think critically because you're too busy or whatever the case may be, and you believe what you hear when you walk through the room and you hear channel two say it and you walk in the other room and then you repeat it. <laughs> right. So in other words, you're 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 just believing what you hear without doing the homework.
1: But right. you're not thinking it through.
0: Precisely. And so you fall right. for the narrative. So people mm-hmm. who have fallen for the feminist or the cultural narratives that you know that come to us every day via the media um you know it's it's okay to it's, it's okay if you agree with them as long as you can back up what you're saying right but if you just repeat something and you have no idea whether or not it's accurate you're going to end up looking really silly next to a person who's done their homework so right. and and to be fair i think most people are kool-aid drinkers honestly because they are busy raising kids and at their jobs and they don't have time and that's fine it's fine as long as you recognize that and then you uh, don't make a statement as though it's fact kind of thing okay so if you expose yourself to people who um you know do think out the box do think outside the box and are critical thinkers and um who who have a different take on things something that you can Learn from that isn't what you would hear in the media. That's how you're going to ultimately stretch your own muscles, I think, in, in in thinking outside the box. And then another one is don't be afraid of information that challenges your thinking. And that's a big one for people because they, they, they hear it and they're kind of like, ooh, you know, and they don't know. It's, and this happens with me all the time, of course, because so many things that I say are so countercultural that if I say it, It almost, it's like uh, nails on a chalkboard, (laughs) you know, like they've never heard (laughs) that before. But then they stop almost every time and they're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. I never thought of it that way. So it initially sounds sounds odd because they're not used to hearing it. But then when they take a moment and absorb it, they don't really have a reason why that isn't true, why that wouldn't be true. It's really interesting. And you don't have to get on your soapbox like I do and, you know write articles and and go speak about it. You can just do this quietly, but it will allow you to feel um, more authentic and and make better decisions because you're not just following blindly, but you're thinking deeply. That's the key. Okay, and then a third thing, of course, which goes hand in hand with all this is read, read, read. I cannot emphasize that enough. I mean, there's no way I would be where I am today if I wasn't a voracious reader, I mean, mm-hmm. half of everything I know is from, is from hopefully from experience, but the other half is from reading as opposed to watching TV or, um, you know, picking up some headline in the paper and mm-hmm. then just running with it. You know, if you yep. don't do the reading, you're not going to be fortified with that, with the facts. Yep.
1: Oh, Ugh, preach, a preach, preach, preach,
0: I, preach know,
1: preach, <laughs> preach. <laughs> I mean it oh, though. it's, that's, that's that. factual. I mean, uh, I mean, if you could take it another step, if you want, I don't know if you have something else planned here, but like, you know, Oprah Winfrey, who should have been statistic, right? If you know her story do, actually yeah. got to be yeah. Oprah Winfrey because she read mm-hmm. like, 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 she was a fierce, you know, like devouring material. You know, first, when she was in, you know, was just to get I think her mom used to get mad at her because she was she, in.
0: Sorry, I think her mom used to get mad at her because she didn't go outside to play because she was always had her head in a book, I think, is what she said. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> there was so much wrong in her life when she was little, but that's how she developed her, like, got not only a, a, an opening of her mind to what, everything that's out there as opposed to her little ghetto life. guess that's what she, no, that's what she had. She should have been a statistic. Right, but like she, it opened her mind, it opened her brain, and she started like voraciously just reading and learning, you know, and just that's how she literally like came to be so worldly because she was reading, you know, constantly and learned and opened her imagination and possibilities. And you can tell her she can do anything because somehow that inspired all the layers of of the human spirit by opening her mind up from reading.
0: Yeah. And of course, if you compare that to somebody who, because my next thing I was going to say here is to watch non-traditional media or media that's non-partisan or that offers opposing views. um, uh, If you do, the more you read things that are not uh, the headline, the quick headline or whatever you're going to hear on Channel 4, you know, at six o'clock the more you realize that there's this whole other world out there that actually does think and operate completely differently from what you read in the headline or see on the news. And so it's, it's this sort of, oh, if you want to be exposed to seriously real and um, deep thought, then you have no choice but to take the time to read. And once you do that, you open up this whole world. I remember when we were young, uh, you know, you used to have, I don't know if you had this where you were, you were in Canada, right? Growing up. We had two newspapers here in St. Louis. Um, Uh One was the Globe Democrat. That was the Democrat paper or whatever. And then we had the Post-Dispatch, which I think was more of the conservative Republican side. Now, today we only have the Post-Dispatch and it's as lefty as they come. And the Globe Democrat Uh has been long gone. But back in the day, there were two papers. And I don't know what happened back then with, you know, maybe people just got one, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whichever they, you know, identified with, but ideally you should get both, right? Right. And um, that's an example of continuously exposing your mind to more than just the Kool Aid that you're fed from the media, because oh. the media is all left, and we know that. And this, I'm not yep. getting into politics specifically. At least I didn't mean to. Um, it was just more about um being fed a message, even if it's a statistic, and then going deeper you know, going beyond that headline and find out the facts on that so that you have the accurate information.
1: Right. Yeah, and that way you actually get both sides of the coin and you can make up your mind about what you think is, you know, what resonates, what makes sense, or the facts, right? To me, I'll write it down to the facts, right? Like, anybody can tell stories, you know, well, go investigate a little bit and then find out the facts. And all of a sudden you go, okay, interesting, Right. And, right? So it opens your mind to, Be able to discern, you know, for yourself what you think is right or wrong as opposed to drink the Kool-Aid.
0: And so what happens is what I have found in my experience in being the kind of writer that I am where it's always countercultural, the idea of um, the reason why I called this podcast How to Deconstruct an Entire Belief System is because in effect over the years, that's what I've been asking people to do. And that's why I've gotten so much pushback. I, look, I basically get two, two groups of people. I get the people who are ready, who are absolutely ready for a new way of thinking and living because what they're doing isn't working. Similar to you, Andre. And then the yep. ones who aren't ready. And so they say, or they might think they're ready and they start to come toward me and then they go, eh, that's, that's too much, that's too much, that's too much. And it's because in effect that's what I'm asking them is to completely deconstruct what they've been taught. And come up with this other way of moving through the world. And that's a very tall order. And the only people who are going to be ready to do that, willing to do that, or able to do that, are people who are ready. And to be ready means you're at pretty much rock bottom where you've tried on this other stuff for size and, and, you know, you've drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and it's not working. And that's where Suzanne Becker comes in because, oh, she's going to tell me something that um, the media doesn't that actually might work. So this deconstructing oh. of an entire belief system is is no small thing um and it and it can be done and it should be done if what you're what you're doing isn't working but it is definitely a tall order um although it's less so and this is the last thing I wanted to suggest to people on my list here if i put it in the hands of parents ultimately that parents mm. and even grandparents parents and grandparents have a huge role to play here During those first 18 years that they've got those kids at home, of modeling and teaching the next generation to question what they hear, to rejoice in thinking differently, and to explain that, in effect, even though it feels awkward now, when you're, not awkward, I don't know, it feels uncomfortable to go against the crowd now, in the end, you're going to win. In the end, you're going to win because basically you're being fed lies essentially every day by the culture. And so when your kids are old enough, and I'm not talking about four and five and six and seven and eight and all that, but I mean once they're at least teens, when they're fed something from their teachers, from the media or whatever, it is your job to deconstruct that for them so that they can realize that they're being fed crap. And so how are they going to build a life that works if you're not – uh, taking that time before they leave home to show them how to think differently, to deconstruct that belief system, you know, yep. that they're being fed. Because once they go, you know, you're pretty much, I mean, you still have influence, of course, but I mean, you know, I'm big on getting them while they're still in the house.
1: Right, <laughs> as well, much Because then your that, job
0: is kind of done and you have to just hope it works.
1: <laughs> and this is, this is when they're most influenceable. And that's, that's why it's kind of that. True. That's the window. That's True. the window. True. You know, but for me, it's funny, on my side here in California, everybody's, you know, democratic Democrat. Like, I can't even say anything about the other side without people frowning at you. Yes. Because like, everyone assumed that everyone is, which is ridiculous, by the way, because yeah. the ones that aren't just don't say anything. Is there, like, right? an underground like, in L.A.? Oh, God, yes. Everywhere, <laughs> I, that, you know. I mean. So there's there's, almost, it's, there's nobody talks about it. Yeah. You know, the same the same way when the election happened in 2016, yeah. they, you know, we heard nothing from the, you know, the, the Republicans you know, I knew, I felt it, that nobody was talking much, but they were going to put that guy in place. <laughs> like, but were are talking about it, right? he yeah. was, you know, pushing the glass ceiling and like all that stuff. Now we're getting political, but it was interesting for me. Like, all we heard is the one side and the part the people that won, the one that won was the people that weren't talking. So there's that going on here all the time, all the time. I, I you know, I see it. So what I, a surprise is to me in California, there's a lot of You know, like everybody around me, my neighbors are like much older, right? Older people. And they all, they all like don't think that way, you know? So there's no chance for their kids to be raised with another like sort of um, source. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're driven into this, you know, socialized, socialistic kind of thinking, free everything, you know, let everyone in, free college, free everything, Right? Like, they actually believe this is the right way to go and, and not seemingly not understanding the the basis of like business money? Yeah, <laughs> economy. like how that
0: would work in real time. But, That's what I mean. How,
1: how does it work? Right? Like, there's no thinking. But I mean, if your parents don't really have that sense and they raise you to be like this, there's, you know, like, unlike you and I who kind of brought our kids up with a combination of both, and like, look at it from this point of view and look at what that looks like and look what that would produce and look at it, you know what I mean? And sort of see the logic in that. I mean, so the parents that don't have it, you know, will create exactly the same thing. So I'm just, I hate to see the, I see the darkness in that here, is what I'm saying. Like, it's just how it is, right? Everybody's on the one side only, and that's the righteous way to go. That's the moral yeah. stand. Yes. Regardless if it makes sense, it's affordable, if it's gonna ruin the country, <laughs> you know. You know, California is one of the worst states as far as like conditions, you know, from the taxes that we pay and the the chaos that's going on, like, you know, in the name of the same.
0: I know. Did you see that? um, It wasn't that long ago, maybe last month, where California families of all places actually live more conservatively than anywhere else in America? Where all the leftist politics are coming from, ironically, the ones who are married are living the most conservatively, family-wise, or something like that.
1: Anyway. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, did, this, did, the, did you... I know the data. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's okay. actually accurate. Yeah. So, so it's basically the rich people who like yeah. want to appear to be like woke and yeah. and you know yeah. more and more superior who like vote for letting everything sort of like go on for free. Meanwhile, they can not afford it, and you know they're <laughs> you know they don't understand that the rest of us are paying for that. Yes. And so. Yeah. The people in power who don't suffer from their decisions are the one making decisions that would make everybody else and are like this state anyway, really struggling in every way. Like the homeless, like trauma here, the homeless, like chaos, you would not believe, you know, but we can't afford to take care of them because, you know, we're paying for everything else. You know that makes no sense. Anyway, now what
0: we're going on. Anyway, the bottom line <laughs> is so in order yeah. to deconstruct a belief system, uh, you really have to be a ready. I mean that's that's the number one thing you have to be ready. You have to the life you have isn't working, or the or whatever your beliefs are 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 looking silly because it, it, it's just not adding up or something. Whatever the case may be, and then you're yeah. looking for an alternative way to live or turn alternative way to think, and that's going to require. You know, some effort, you know, and really thinking about who you spend time with, yep. um, how you get your information, um, yep. what, how, how courageous you're willing to be and not needing to be liked. That's a big thing. Um, yep. Anyway, it's a big deal. It's it's not an easy thing, but it is so yeah. um, it, it, it it I feel very strongly about it because it's something I've done my whole life and I believe it worked out my life worked out because of it. That's why I feel so strongly mm-hmm. about it. Sure. And when I work with people who have bought hook, line and sinker, um, uh, an erroneous belief system and, and, um, now they're trying to pick up the pieces and switch gears. It's just a thousand times harder. It makes me so crazy that people sold them this crap I to know. begin with. It's just, it's no, just terrible. No,
1: it's terrible. You know? Ah, right.
0: anyway. So, um, mm. Andre, we're not going to see you next week. Because right. I have a guest, so it'll be, hold on, right? It'll be two weeks before we hear from you again. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, two mm-hmm. weeks. So we I'll will be miss right you. We will, be, we will miss you. And um, enjoy your L.A. weather. And uh, and we'll check back with you in two weeks instead of one. How's that?
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. Okay, Thank you for what you're doing. It's awesome.
0: Thank you, Andre. Talk to you soon. Well that wraps up another edition of the Suzanne Benker Show. Don't forget to tune in next week when I talk with marriage and family counselor Doris Wild Helmering in studio about how to get control of your anger, why criticism is so destructive, the seven principles of love and more. And if you haven't done so already, don't for, don't forget okay. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and if you have a question or a comment for me, go to Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. have a great week.